Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In 4 weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose 1 to 2 pounds per week. Individual results may vary. to the fumble it's myself Vernon Kerr with the main man with all the facts and stats Mr Darren Fletcher we must apologize again we've had a week off but you know what we've got some decent excuses for me it was the start of the formula e season so i was in saudi arabia via dubai hosting an event for the european tour the people in charge of european golf But Darren did his finest Judith Chalmers impression and ended up on the west coast of America watching some basketball and of course some American football. Darren, hello everybody by the way. I, the trip itself was outstanding. I, I've always wanted to go to the Coliseum ever since I saw the Olympics in 84. I think I mentioned that um the last time we worked together and it lived up to everything. I mean it's old and all that kind of thing, but there's so much history in there. We had great seats. We were right behind the Bears bench. It was it was tremendous. We saw a few basketball games while we were there. Um, LeBron James put on a, a real show in one of them, so that was fantastic. Um, but it was great. I mean, it, it was just about a capacity crowd in the in the the Coliseum, and they do a lot around it. I mean, they got um, they got Venus Williams Vern on the field to kick a field goal before the game, and, and Venus came strolling on in a pair of white high-heeled stiletto shoes <laughs> which of course sink straight into the turf so they put the ball down literally on the end zone line on the on the, the on the on the on the goal line and all she got to do was chip it i don't know 10 yards how how deep is an end zone 10 yards 10 yards and she yeah she must have shanked it 20 yards wide of the left upright it was an awful attempt but of course it's LA so they loved it they cheered her we had parachutists bringing in the american flag because it was salute to service day uh, we had a gigantic american flag that filled the entire field uh, it was an absolutely brilliant trip but what i did see i was so close to the bears bench and i can't put this on the fumble um, twitter page for obvious reasons but you know what we often ask the question what does an nfl player do when he gets caught short during a match because you can't go off can you so no. i've just assumed all these years that they just wee in their pants i thought they'd just do that carry on mm. so, but they don't so what what happened was roquan smith of the bears twice needed a wee right so what he does is and he's got his back to us don't forget but we're only 10 yards away from him 
He gets the Gatorade cup, you know, the little, little paper cups that are on, you see about 100 of them all, all filled up with drink all the time and the, the players, <laughs> when they come off, right? So he gets one of those, goes behind the Gatorade um, cart. One of the equipment staff gets a towel and holds it. He whips out the old fella, wheezes in the Gatorade cup, and then gets rid of it. And he did it twice during the game. <laughs> Roquan, Roquan Smithburn had two wheeze during the match against the Rams, which I've never, ever seen before. The second one, I was able to get video evidence of. Only the back, obviously. That's a bit weird. Right? Yeah. But I sent it crossy. So I said, look at this. Roquan Smith having a wee. So there were one or two memorable incidents that occurred during the trip, but it did answer one of my long, uh, long, long-held long, questions. What happens when you need a waz in an NFL game? The answer is get behind the Gatorade wagon, get somebody with a towel, and fill that cup, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that. And it's information, it's facts and stats like that, Darren, that make people come back to the fumble. You don't get it anywhere else. You don't get it anywhere else. You don't, you don't get that anywhere else. And that's the high-bro quality that we bring you, hopefully, week in, week out on the fumble. Now, let me ask you this, Darren. Last year, you and I had an eventful weekend in Atlanta watching the Los Angeles Rams at the Super Bowl. They fell short of the hurdle, which was at the New England Patriots. Why yeah. have they imploded this season? What did you see that kind of says, look, do you know what? They need to revamp. Because... Todd Gurley's in my fantasy team, and he, have, he, he got 1.9 points, I think it was, against the Ravens this week. The downfall, the turnaround from that team's running game in particular has been disastrous. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's twofold, really. It, and it's, it's both related to the running game. I mean, they're a run-first offence. I mean, Jared Goff got a load of praise last season, but he was only as good as the running game because it opened up so many passing lanes for him and gave him so much time because teams were playing the run. When you look at Todd Gurley this year, he is clearly a lot more banged up and damaged than anybody's saying on the Rams. He only runs in straight lines, Vern. And by that, what I mean is he hits the hole and that's it. Whereas Gurley in the past and the great running backs have got lots and lots of different moves. Gurley's become what they call a downhill runner. One cut, hits the hole, takes it as far as he can, and that's that. That individual brilliance that we saw from Todd Gurley coming out of Georgia uh, last year, even in the NFL, that seems to have gone. I don't know whether that's a temporary thing or a permanent thing, but he's only half the running back that we saw last year. And then you add in the fact that they've lost a couple of offensive linemen, so they're not blocking and making the holes as big as they were. And there's far too much pressure on Jared Goff and the wide receivers and then the defence because they're behind in games. I, I think the, the point you made in the question is, is a really important point. They've gone from a team that lost the Super Bowl that you think, well, a couple of tweaks and they'll be OK. They've actually got the look of a team now, Vern, that needs to be rebuilt. Um, and I, I don't know whether that's going to be possible with some of the contracts they've got. I mean, they've already paid Jared Goff. They've already paid Todd Gurley. They've got to pay Jalen Ramsey very soon if that's what they want to do. So they've got a ton of cap committed to some players. But at the moment, they look a long way off. And I think that when you look at the division they're in, the Seahawks are on the rise. The 49ers are on the rise. We're going to talk about them in a minute and what we think about them this year. I think from a Rams perspective, they could be going into a new stadium next year with a team that needs to be rebuilt. Sean McVay seems to have lost his mojo a little bit. They're not quite as imaginative on offense as they were. And I think at the minute, they're a team with, with problems. Um, and I don't think they're going to be solved 
in the space of one off-season, if I'm honest. Can you imagine being Stanley Cronky right now? Your your LA Rams go to the Super Bowl. They fall short against quite possibly the greatest team we've seen in our generation. Arsenal are imploding. They've got Unai Emery, who everyone's saying is about to be sacked. Pochettino, is he going to take the job? They don't know. That team's completely heartless. They've got no spirit and no soul. Imagine being him, where you go from absolute glory of getting to a Super Bowl to now being the owner of two teams who were literally on the slide and almost rock bottom. Yeah, and, and you know what I'd say? I mean, I'd never been to Los Angeles before. I never realised how competitive a market it is for events. I mean, the night I went to see um, the Rams and the Bears, the Lakers were at home, you know, kind of three miles down the road. The Lakers are playing at the same time at the Staples Centre. The Clippers played the night before and the night after. You know, there are college games all over the place. I mean, any if, if you're a sports fan and you want to go and experience the whole thing, LA's the place because there's so much going on. Can you it imagine, Darren, that happening in any UK city where no, major sports teams all play at the same time, on the same night, in the same city? Logistically, with our old-fashioned, old-school streets, our Edwardian streets, that would never happen. No, but, but the, the, point, the point that it's taking me on to is the fact that, therefore... If you want to establish a new team in L.A., you need superstars. You've got to give people a reason to go and watch it. Hence why um, the Lakers have LeBron James and they traded for Anthony Davis. Hence why the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard and they acquired Paul George. You know, hence why um, the Rams went into L.A. with the philosophy of let's build a team around superstars. Now, the problem with that in, a, in a, a sport with a salary cap is that the superstars are expensive and the supporting cast then has to be cheaper. And in the NFL, as you know, the ultimate team sport, you need 11 players on offense and 11 on defense, all functioning to the best of their ability if you're going to be successful. And I think the Rams at the moment look a, a little bit top heavy in terms of we've got the superstars, but now we can't afford the rest of them to make us successful. And I think that's going to be the problem for them. They've got to get the superstars so people in LA are bothered but by having the superstars, they're not going to win enough games. So it's a catch-22 for the general manager, Les Snead, for the owner, Stan Kroenke. It's a problem for the head coach, Sean McVay. And I don't really know how they're going to deal with it because it's not a Rams town. It's a Lakers town. I found, out, found that out when I got there. You know, this is a basketball town. USC, the Trojans, the college team are huge as well. You know, the Rams are away down that list. God knows where the charges are going to be. I mean, nobody's going to care about them. Um, so I think it's a real problem for the NFL. I got the impression, having been there, Vern, that NFL teams want LA more than LA wants NFL teams. So it's a problem, and, and they're only going to solve it by being successful, and that might be a while off. Apart from San Francisco, Darren, I think that whole West Coast is an issue for the NFL. San Francisco have got a home. They've been there for a while. They've won multiple Super Bowls, so they've embedded themselves in the city. They've created their own history Through the late 80s, early 90s, everyone is aware that San Francisco is synonymous with high-tech, as in Silicon Valley, all that kind of stuff. It's synonymous with sourdough bread, with with the San Francisco 49ers, the Golden Gate Bridge, and Alcatraz. And don't forget, by the way, don't forget Huey Huey Lewis and the News. Go put that in that list as well. Exactly. And Huey Lewis and the News. And then (laughs) Oakland have always struggled. They're flip-flop between L.A., and now they're going to Vegas. You look at the charges, the mess they're in, and everything that you've just mentioned about the LA Rams, 
They're in a state of flux. So let me put this on you, Darren. We mentioned a couple of podcasts ago that there was rumour abound and it was denied by the LA Chargers that they were moving or there was a possibility, there was a thought of them moving to London. Do you think that the LA Rams are going to be in Los Angeles for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think the Rams will be. I mean, I saw I saw the new stadium um, under construction, which you can see as you make the journey to LAX, the airport there. So you, there's a huge undertaking that's gone on there in terms of trying to build the best stadium in the world. Mm. From a Rams standpoint, I think they'll stay. And I think the Los Angeles area can support one NFL team. I just don't think there's enough room in the market for a second. I think the Chargers are the team that will struggle. Um, whether they go to London or not, and whatever Dean Spanos says, you've got to believe. But I don't think long-term they're going to survive in LA. I think they're going to have to go somewhere, uh, wherever that is, because I don't think two teams will work there long-term. So I think the Rams will stay, yes, but I, I'm not sure about the others. But it's such a different experience, you know, for an NFL fan, watching games on the West Coast. I mean, the one o'clock games start at 10 o'clock in the morning. You imagine that. The Premier League starts kicking off at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's a difficult conundrum to make sure you get your day in order to be able to watch the early games. Tailgating at 6am. Exactly. You know, the Sunday night games, Vern, it's 20 past five in the afternoon. So if you want to watch the Monday night, if you want to watch Monday night football in LA, it starts at 20 past five. Most people, and if you've seen the traffic there, you're in the traffic for a long time. Most people are in the car at 20 past five. So mm. the, whole, the whole idea of the National Football League on West Coast time is different. And then, of course, you get the flip side of that, that people on the East Coast don't bother watching the teams on the West Coast because it starts too late. So yeah. it's, it's the time difference is a real issue. I found it really bizarre. I mean, it was difficult to actually find a sports bar on Sunday morning that opened in time for the first games at 10. Most of them opened at 11 o'clock. So they're not even geared up really over there for people to be in the seats with a beer with some wings at 10 in the morning to watch the games. I think there are as many logistical problems of a team in LA as there are in London, having been there and, and, and seen it. So, listen, fellas, you've got problems in Los Angeles. Never mind about London, so deal with that first. Yeah, yeah, very good problem. Very good issue. Well raised, Darren, I like that. Uh, very good. Uh, so, let, let, shall we stay on uh, the West Coast? Let's stay on the West Coast, because one team that isn't struggling, one team that doesn't have the issues that both Los Angeles teams have, uh, both on the field and off the field, are the San Francisco. Now, Darren, we all know American football fans will be, I briefly mentioned earlier on about the San Francisco 49ers and the calibre of teams that they've had in the past. The current San Francisco 49ers team are a real, real, real asset, not only to San Francisco, but also to the NFL because they're playing some beautiful football at the moment. And I mean that, and I don't use that word uh, lightly. I never, ever use it to describe American football. But the way that Jimmy Garoppolo is controlling that offence and the way that the defence is stepping up, it really is awesome to see. And it's good to see that San Francisco's finally getting back on the pedestal as being a real contender. Do you think, Darren, going into this big game this week against the Ravens, do you think that San Francisco has what it takes in such an early time period, I, I guess the, the, the phrase is, of Kyle Shanahan's tenure as the boss. Do you think this is a Super Bowl winning side? I don't know whether it's a Super Bowl winning side because so much can happen on Super Bowl Sunday. But I think the game that they're going to play this weekend looks to me like a Super Bowl preview. And, and for that, again, I said it a couple of weeks ago, I've got to give you a tremendous amount of credit because when we did our predictions at the start of the season, 
your AFC pick with the Baltimore Ravens. I think right now these two teams are the best two teams in the NFL. Now, whether they're going to be the best two teams in the NFL by the time the playoffs start, you know as well as I do that it's such a changeable league that form um, is definitely temporary in the NFL. Um, but I look at it at the moment. You've got the 49ers and the Ravens. You've got the 49ers 10-1. and 1. You've got the Ravens 9-2. and 2. They're the two best teams in the NFL. They're the two best teams in each conference. I mean, the way the 49ers dismantled the Packers last week was, was a sign of how strong they are. They run the ball brilliantly. Uh, that sets up all kinds of situations for Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think the strength of the 49ers team, Vern, is the defense. And in particular, it's the defensive line. They've got four first-round picks on the defensive line, on the front four, which is being led by Nick Bosa, who has to be rookie of the year. And then on the other side of the game, you've got the Ravens, who no one can work out. I've got some numbers later on on Lamar Jackson, by the way, which are astronomical. But, I mean, he's unplayable right now. Mark Ingram's running with so much violence. But I think the biggest thing for them is that Lamar Jackson looks as good a passer as there is in the NFL. We all thought he could run the ball. We thought he was going to be, you know, the Barry Sanders playing quarterback. But he's actually turning out to be Dan Marino playing quarterback. <laughs> I mean, he's had a perfect passer rating twice this season. Um, and, of course, teams are so, so keen to stop the run and try and work out the read option that they're not covering receivers down the field very well. They've got three tight ends in the game pretty much all the time. Mark Andrews, who can catch anything. Hollywood Brown's been a, a game changer for them. And they've got weapons and people can't work it out. And it's a better offense, a more efficient offense, a more explosive offense than I thought it was going to be this season. So I can't wait for this game because I think we're going to be sat together in Miami first weekend in Feb. And we're going to be watching a repeat of the Super Bowl that was Ray Lewis's last game, Colin Kaepernick of the 49ers. The lights went out in New Orleans and the Ravens won it. I think we're seeing a preview of this year's Super Bowl this Sunday. And I think everybody needs to watch it. Whoa. You know what this, this Ravens team reminds me of? It reminds me of the late 80s when the Cincinnati Bengals with Boomer Esiason at quarterback and their head coach, who was the quarterback coach of the San Francisco 49ers, Sam White. Yeah. He invented, remember the offense that he invented? where they didn't stop for the clock. They just kept going and kept going. The no-huddle offense. And the NFL had to change the rules on how to deal with the no-huddle offense. And I think the furore that that offense created, because they always ran two or uh, three, maybe four wide receivers with Icky Woods in the backfield. It, they took them to a Super Bowl. And this offense that we're seeing from Baltimore is exactly the same. It's getting people asking questions. How do we stop this dynamic offense that has so many options. I mean, look what it did to Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is a defensive genius. He will go down in the Hall of Fame, not just as a successful head coach, but probably one of the best defensive-minded head coaches that the NFL has ever seen. And he tripped up. And we mentioned after that Patriots game with the Ravens that, you know what, if these two face each other again in the playoffs, Bill Belichick will hopefully come up with a scheme that will stop Lamar Jackson and the offense doing what it does. But after everything that you've mentioned, I doubt that he can do that because I don't think they've got the personnel to, to be able to step up and stop an offense, which you can't look one way because you know for a fact that the other way is completely going off as well. <laughs> that, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think the thing is that they're all executing the game plan at such a high level. I mean, the interesting thing for me this weekend is when I look at San Francisco, 
I think they've got the defensive front and certainly the, the defence to be able to slow Baltimore down. I think that's the biggest problem for teams. that We saw the Rams at the weekend. They were so far behind that it's game over because then yeah. all Baltimore need to do is run the ball. Yeah. But I look at San Francisco and I think on, on defence, and I think Robert Solé, the, the defensive coordinator, is going to be a hot name for head coaching vacancies this summer. I think the 49ers have got the ability on defence to slow them down. And they've got a running attack themselves and weapons on offence to be able to go toe-to-toe with them. I think you've got to be the total package to play the Ravens. You know, I think from a New England standpoint, even if Belichick works out how to slow them down in the playoffs, they're not scoring enough points on offence to be able to stay with them. I think from a Seattle standpoint, Seattle can score points, but they can't slow Baltimore down, which would be a problem. You know, the Packers didn't play good enough defence and Rodgers couldn't get things going for the Packers. But when they, when they played the 49ers, they, they, these are the problems. I think from a, a Niners perspective, they, they're kind of built to be able to give Baltimore a real game. So I think this is, this is going to be the acid test for Baltimore. The only other team in the AFC that I think could give them a problem would be Kansas City if they can hit their stride because they can score points so quickly and so frequently. So all of a sudden, what's Lamar Jackson like when it's, you know, 42-40, can he find another drive and win it? That's what we've got to find out. But I think this is great this weekend because the Niners do everything really well. They play offense well. They play defense well. They've got good special teams. The Ravens do both things really well too. So there aren't any weaknesses really for either team to exploit this week, which I think is going to be fascinating. So if, you, if you're the defensive coordinator, Darren, for the San Francisco 49ers, and you've got Lamar Jackson, this young, talented quarterback with great vision who can literally get himself out of any hole. He's like some kind of special military service where if you embed them in a foreign land, they'll get out no matter what the situation is. He's unbelievable. (laughs) He's like a real-life version of Madden. We know that. Do you approach the Ravens when you've got pen in hand and you've got the whiteboard in front of you as a run-first or pass-first offence? How do you scheme this? I have no idea. I mean, genuinely have no idea. And I've got to be honest, Wade Phillips knows a lot more about scheming a defence than I do, and he had no idea on Monday. So yeah. I don't mind not, not really having an answer to this. Yeah. All I would say is, though... I that, don't think there is an answer, Darren. I think no, your answer is the right answer. Yeah. Because well, what, what, when you've got that pen in hand, you say, right, what do we do with this kid? Let, let's take a look at his game film. All right, well, this play was obviously supposed to be a pass. He drops back. He gets a little bit of a whiff of a defensive end or a linebacker coming towards him. He has another look for a pass, and that's where I think he's matured this season, is that he doesn't drop the accelerator straight away. If it's a, it's a pass play, he'll look for the pass. And now this season, you've realised that his legs are his last option, whereas in previous, se- well, his last season, his legs were his first option. The first receiver isn't open, I'm going to leg it. Now his first receiver isn't open, second receiver isn't open, I am gone. And the fact that he's such a good runner with great vision and athletic ability means that you just can't. You've just got to put that down to human skill and talent. And that, for an NFL player, is unbeatable. What I would say, though, is I saw a great quote this week. I've been watching the NFL's 100 team uh, being selected on Game Pass. Chris Collinsworth and Bill Belichick are doing it with Rich Eisen. It's well worth a watch if you get the chance. But they talked to Belichick about he's obviously one of the coaches in the team that's been selected. You know, how do you, how do you work out what you're going to do, essentially? And he quoted a book, The Art of War. 
And he said, in the art of war, he said, every opposition has a weakness and you attack the weakness. He says, you can't win a war by digging a hole and getting in it. He said, so when every team is beatable, you've just got to work out how you do it. And I think from a Baltimore standpoint, far too many coaches right now are trying to slow down Lamar Jackson and the offense. I think if there is a weakness on the Baltimore team, Vernon, it might be on the defense. So all of a sudden, Kyle Shanahan, who's one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, may well look at his team and say, well, can they cover George Kittle down the field? Because nobody's been able to do that. How do mm. Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders fare against their defensive backs when you add Kittle to the mix? We can run the ball as well as they can with Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, um, Matt Breda. We've got a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over and we've got a pretty good offensive line. So the way to beat Baltimore, Vern, might well be to fight fire with fire. You know, the old phrase is the best form of defense is to attack. And San Francisco's philosophy here at the weekend might well be, well, we're going to score as frequently as you do. So we're going to see whether our defense can make one play, can have one drive or two drives where we force a punt. But at the same time on offense, we're going to keep scoring and we'll see how you cope when the pressure's really on. So that might be the way to go about it. But there aren't many teams in the league that can score with them who have got the offensive weapons that San Francisco have got. But the 49ers can do that. And I think this is going to be a shootout. I think whichever defense makes the most plays are going to win it. And I think San Francisco have a genuine chance this weekend to, to really test this Baltimore team. And they might just have the magic elixir that, that, that they can bring to the game that, that gives them the way to win. And that might be through Garoppolo, the offensive weapons, and the mind of Kyle Shanahan. That might be the way to do it. I tell you what either team will be doing is going through those losses that both teams have, uh, have registered like with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah. How, 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 how have these two teams lost the game? What did the opposition do? Was it the fact that they just weren't on point that game or did the defence and offences of those opposing teams do something that hasn't been done uh, with the other opponents? Vern, let me tell you, Vern, let me tell you, I, 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 think, I think from a San Francisco, I think I've got a, a partial answer to that. I think from a San Francisco perspective, they just lost the game. You know, they, they just lost the game. I think from a Baltimore perspective, it's the maturity of Lamar Jackson. You, you, you made the point a few minutes ago where you said, look, his maturity, his attitude's changed. That it was, get the snap. No, I'm running. Now, he's got the maturity to assess the situation and decide when to pass and when to run. And I think the fact that he's getting more and more NFL snaps under his belt in game conditions and they are growing as an offense is just making them better. I just think they're a better, more efficient offense now than they were in the early weeks of the season when they lost a couple of games. And, and I'll tell you something, I don't think they'll mind at all about going to New England in the playoffs because I just think they'll walk in there and think, you know what, you can't score like we can score, so we're going to be okay. We're just going to outscore you. I don't think they'll bother about that. I think they'll yeah. be more concerned about playing Kansas City yeah. who can put up as many points as they can. But I just think it's the maturation of, of Lamar Jackson, mate, and the fact that they're starting to understand the offensive scheme a lot better, they're better at executing it, and they're becoming a better team. Imagine that, Darren. We've now come to a point in the history of the NFL, albeit its 100th season, where you've, you've said for me just then a statement 
which kind of makes me feel really sad, but yet excited for the future. You just said the Ravens can go to Gillette Stadium and know for a fact that they can outscore the New England Patriots. Yes. We I genuinely not, believe it. We've not said that in the past, I'd say, 20 years. Yeah. It's unbelievable. That statement is massive. Yeah. So, is this the end of Brady? Is this the end of the tenure of Bill Belichick in New England? I, 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 I sent a few ideas to Simon before the podcast today. And one of the topics that I, I want to discuss, and you're the perfect person to discuss it with, because I know what a big fan you are of, of Tom Brady. You know, if you've oh. got, I think if you've got one ticket to go and watch anything, you'd go and see Tom Brady in a in a Super Bowl. I think that's that's your thing. Darren, Darren, Darren. It would be uh, one ticket to just sit in Tom Brady's kitchen and just watch Deity do what he does. Yeah. I so, love to watch him day to day, just see what makes him tick mentally. Because how can you... This is what baffles me about Tom Brady, right? Is Tom Brady is a little bit younger than me, professional athlete, being the quarterback of the New England Patriots ever since he entered the NFL... He was drafted 160-odd, which is an absolute mockery. It's a joke from, from Michigan. Bill Belichick saw something, developed him, pushed him forward, grew him as a player, albeit he got on on the injury of the initial starting quarterback, right? But I don't know how he, over that period of time, has maintained that hunger, that focus, and that fire for success. Because he's a global superstar, He's got family, he's got kids, and those things, as we know, are, are more valuable than anything in what we do in life. But yet he's managed to maintain that real, real high-caliber, high-standard that makes him the best quarterback, in my opinion, of all time. And it's really sad to watch his demise because, no, I don't think he's as productive. I don't think he's got all the skill set that he had in the past that made him so good. I think his arm is on the wane. It's pretty obvious because he's only thrown a couple of deep bombs this season. And I don't think he's got the artillery to enable him. And that's the key with the New England Patriots. You have to enable Tom Brady. Yes. He doesn't have the weapons that enable him to move the ball down the field. I look at him and I think he's one of his greatest strengths. And there are lots of them, by the way. One of his greatest strengths has always been that he can make others around him better. Yeah. They've always been able to, yeah. to have average or below average wide receivers and running yeah. backs. And he's been able to make them better by yes. executing his game plan at a level that we've never seen before. And they all adopt his mindset. Yes. So he, he's, he's so accurate that if it's, a, if it's an eight-yard pass play and you run nine, he's not throwing you the ball again. Because <laughs> it's all about timing and accuracy and that's what's made him so special. <laughs> I think now... He's lost the ability to do that. I think now he's operating in an offense with below average wide receivers for a start. I mean, Edelman is now his best receiver. Edelman was always a complimentary piece. He's yeah. the best receiver that he's got now. Yeah. Um, you know, Mohamed Sanu was a number three in Atlanta behind Calvin Ridley and, um, and, and Julio Jones. And all of a sudden is a massive part of the, the Patriots offense. That kind of shows you where they are. Yeah. But I don't think he's got the ability to elevate those players anymore because I think he's just got old. You know, we saw Peyton Manning in the year that Denver won the Super Bowl. He'd gone from throwing 55 touchdowns a year to he could barely throw the ball down the field. I mean, it, it come, old age creeps up in a hurry. And yeah. I look at Brady now and I think his days 
as an elite quarterback physically are gone. I think his days as an elite quarterback mentally are still there. But I think the ability to elevate those around him and make the Patriots better than what they've got has gone. So I think if they want to go into next season, and let's not forget Brady's a free agent in the summer. If they want to keep Brady next season, this is the first time where Belichick's got to go out there and get him a top-class tight end, a number one wide receiver. They've got to make sure that the running back is, is of a significant quality. And Brady can become the complementary piece. I think, but at the minute, they're trying to drive the offense through a fella that simply can't do that anymore. And, and it would always happen at some stage. I think it's happened now. And that's why it gives me the belief that the Baltimore Ravens, as, a, as an example, would quite happily go toe-to-toe with Tom Brady in the playoffs. Because I don't think Brady can do what he's been able to do in the past. You know, he's missing on a lot of balls. I mean, he, he, I think over his past five games, his quarterback rating, Vern, is 73.6. Now, that's just not Brady. You know, that's a big sample size for an NFL quarterback. And that's a combination of things. It's a combination of the, of the players that he's playing with not being good enough. It's a combination of the fact that the left tackle's been banged up. They've had problems on the offensive line, so he's having to hurry things. But it's also a case of he can't quite elevate like he used to. And that's a problem for the Patriots. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, Darren. It's exciting, though. Let's be honest, it's exciting. You know, the Premier League has become exciting because of, I hate to say it, and Man United fans will pan me for this, the demise of Manchester United has made the Premier League more exciting because it's not like the, the, the 90s or the early 2000s where United just dominated. You knew at the beginning of the Premier League season when United were in their pomp that they were going to lift the trophy, that they were going to win the FA Cup or whatever. They were going to give it a good run in all the, the cup competitions that they played in. It's the same with the New England Patriots. It's the same with the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots are, are, are on the, the demise of the team. And now look at what's flourishing. Young quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo was Brady's backup, for crying out loud. And look at the work that he's done with Carl Shanahan. And now he's making that offense into something that is actually quite special. And what we've been talking about, and many, many others, is that they're possible contenders for the Super Bowl. It's amazing. Yeah, I, it I is. think the NFL is in a really, really strong position where we're seeing... The, these new energetic quarterbacks with really good offences, but yet the foundation is still defence wins championships. These teams wouldn't be successful if they couldn't get the ball for their offence to manipulate. You know what, Vern? I was, I was watching the broadcast from the States um, when the Ravens dismantled the Rams on Monday night. And a really salient point was made. And that is that the NFL has always been very... Um, set in what they expect from certain players. So the game has to be played a certain way. Quarterbacks have to play a certain way. And they've always been um, dead against kind of following what they do in college. College, college teams have, have had fancy offenses for a long, long time, whether you go back to the wishbone at Oklahoma in the 80s that we first saw the run-and-shoot offense that's been used a lot in college. Now it's the spread. It's, it's a load of wide receivers. It's quarterbacks in the shotgun. Now you're getting quarterbacks who can run. We talked the other week that high school kids now, it used to be the, you know, the fella whose, whose dad had got the most money would turn out to be the quarterback because he'd be <laughs> the main booster. Now it's the best athlete on the team. So everything's changing. And they were saying on the broadcast that now – the NFL has been forced to change because the colleges can only B, 
build an offense based on what the high schools give them. Mm. And the NFL are realizing now that they can only build an offense based on what the colleges give them. So the Baltimore Ravens offense and this mobility of the quarterback and multifaceted, multifunctional, very optional, that's going to become the norm in the NFL because they're the players coming out of college. Brady and the Patriots are an old school offense. I mean, that they are, it could be 1984 with Brady passing 20 times, running the ball in the main, big tight end, which they had with Gronkowski, you know, two receivers out wide. Not a great, I mean, they're very good at scheming situations. Don't, don't yeah. give, you know, don't take away from that, which is very modern, you know, Josh McDaniels. But the fact they've got a pure drop back quarterback that can't move takes you back to, to Phil Sims and people like that in the 1980s. So, They've got a quarterback that fits that mold in an era where everybody else is trying to do something different. And I think it's going to be fascinating going forward now to see how the rest of the franchises react to what Baltimore are doing. And I think it's even more fascinating to see what type of quarterback Bill Belichick takes to replace Tom Brady. Because Belichick always wants to be at the cutting edge of what the NFL are doing. He's the greatest innovator, the most imaginative person, the best person at finding weakness in the opposition the best person at maximising what his team does. I wonder whether he looks at it now and thinks, you know what, I'm going to go down that route too. And I'm going to make what they do even better. And then the NFL completely changes. And that would be exciting. And there holds the future of the NFL in the palm of Bill Belichick's hands, as per usual. Interesting stuff. It's a big game. It's San Francisco versus the Ravens this weekend. You said it's the precursor to the Super Bowl. Who's going to win this one? Do you know what? I'm going to say the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, yeah. I think they're slightly more complete for me. I just think that they are the team. If anybody is going to be the one to go and and beat Baltimore, I think it's going to be San Francisco. I've I've got a lot of faith in in what they do. I think it's going to be close. I think it'll be high scoring. But I just think the 49ers in the end will pull it out because they just look a little bit more complete to me. I think they've got all the pieces on offense to match Baltimore. I just think they've got a better defense. And I think... You know, the old adage is that defense wins championships, and that doesn't mean you've got to shut the opposition out. It means you've got to do what the what what what, what big teams do at key times, that you need a defensive stand when it matters. Take you back to the Super Bowl when the Ravens beat the 49ers. You know, Colin Kaepernick's got them first and goal at about the six. Uh, four plays later, Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs are celebrating a Lombardi. I just think it'll come down to a drive on, 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 on Sunday where the defense has to make a stand And I think San Francisco is the team that will do it. And I think the San Francisco defense will provide problems to Lamar Jackson that he's not seen yet this season. So, you know, they're all going to need to play well. The front four is going to need to play exceptionally well. Richard Sherman's going to have to cover fantastically well. But I just think they've got the pieces on defense to make the one drive that might just be the difference on Sunday. All right. Well, I'm going to go opposite, as per, because they were... They were my uh, bet for the Super Bowl. I think the Ravens will get off to a quick start. And I think the it'll all be about the 49ers trying to claw back points. Vern, if the- that happens, I think you're right. I think if the Ravens get ahead, won't be tied anybody trying to come back. I think you've got to be with them. And I think this is, this is going to be the case all the way through now, all the way through to, to Miami. That If you want to beat them, you've got to be with them all the way through. I think if you let them go, forget it. Because yeah. they will keep scoring. You've got to be with them at, at kind of 35-32. And then you've got to make your play. And you've got to get the winning score. That, that's, 
I think that's how you're going to do it. Because I just don't think anybody's going to say, oh, what about Baltimore? They only got 16 at the weekend. That's not happening. You're not going to do them 24-16. They're going to no. get 20-plus, 30-plus, and you've got to go with them. Yeah. You've got to be able to to stay hand-in-hand hand with them until, obviously, two minutes towards the end, and then free swim, do what you want, go crazy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Take us seamlessly onto your numbers, Darren. Now, every week, Darren pulls out some facts and stats from the world of the internet, from all the media sources that he's uh, that he scours to give us the best statistics, most interesting statistics, jaw-dropping statistics, eye-popping statistics, numbers that you will not believe. So, Darren, I am braced. I'm sat down. I'm ready to go. My eyes, I am pushing them into my face because I know they're going to come out. Let rip, my friend. Okay, so um, I... I, I... I would say on average in an NFL game, just using my own experience of, of the games and my own eyes, offenses probably punt about five times a game, would you say, really, as an average? Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. OK, the Baltimore Ravens have punted three times in their last two matches, which, which tells you that on only three, three drives in two whole times. games have they, had to, have they not scored. So they've, they, they've punted three times in the last two games. Yeah, whole games. 60 minutes, 60 minutes. They've punted three times combined. Not in each game, wow. combined. Wow. I don't think they punted against the Rams. Or if they did, they did it once on wow. Monday. And I think they punted twice against Cincinnati. Wow. Three times in two games. So that shows you how effective and efficient the Ravens' offense is. It's hang, on, led hang, by... hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That, that's unbelievable. Three yeah. times in two games. Two games, yeah. Three punts in two games. Oh, hang on. Yeah. And here, here it says that when they punted, Robert Griffin III was under centre. Right, there you go. <laughs> three times in two games, then. <laughs> Chicago punt three times a quarter. Yeah, they do. Three <laughs> times a quarter. They punted oh, three times in two that. games. Do you know what, Darren? As a sideline, I know I said that Bears would, would come into fruition. <laughs> and it's embarrassing that, that yeah. I said that. And it's embarrassing that the Bears are imploding because Matt Nagy, everyone, he was head coach of the year. Got to go. I saw him saw him lift the trophy. And, oh, Get him out. He's literally got no more ideas on how to run that offence. When, when I was in LA, right, he knew that his quarterback had got a hip injury and he ran an option play on fourth and one. I mean, are you, are you completely insane? You know, for, to run an option play against an NFL defence, you've got to be athletic. If your hip's gone, what the hell are you running an option oh. for? I mean, the fella's totally lost it. Darren, look at the quarterback class. Yeah. 
The Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> camo top. And yeah, but they, got to, that's not his fault. I mean, he wasn't the head coach then. I mean, he got the job no, after that. That's know, Ryan. As an organization, as an organization, oh, yeah. right, as an organization, and not only that, you traded up to take Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> you traded up <laughs> for Mitchell oh. Darren, stop it. List the quarterbacks, please, that were in the same draft class. Well, I'll just give you two. <laughs> they both went after Trubisky. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Thank you. What are you thinking? What Patrick are you thinking? Mahomes, who was last season's MVP, yeah. and Deshaun Watson, who is having an outstanding season that's been overshadowed by Lamar Jackson. Let me tell you as well, they, they're allowed to have private meetings, aren't they, with potential draftees? Yeah, and they took Patrick Mahomes out to dinner and did all the private thing. They took Mitchell Trubisky out for dinner, did all the private thing. Didn't even bother doing that with Deshaun Watson because they decided he threw too many interceptions in college and that'd get worse in the NFL. And they didn't even bother you, to take you know, him out, you know sit what? him down and Mitch, ask him. Mitchell P- Trubisky's parents must have paid the bill. <laughs> Yeah. Because it's right. no, I, I saw. I remember looking back. now, I remember looking back at that that season's draft class, and Patrick Mahomes came across really quiet, really humble. But most importantly, and what what really took me aback was he just came across really content in where he was with his skill set. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I remember thinking, oh, what a nice guy. Well, his dad was his dad was a major league baseball player, wasn't he? So he knew, he yeah. was kind of been brought up around a, a situation where you are trained to be a professional athlete because his dad has played in the major leagues. I mean, there's no he was always destined to be an NFL player or a major league baseball player. So you you know that the demeanor and the attitude yeah. is going to be tailor made. Then you've got a fella in Trubisky who played 14 games in college, <laughs> and you're taking him number two overall based on. Not a great deal. Anyway, let me get back to this. So let's move on. The next one is is a is a is a Ravens uh, number two. Um, Lamar Jackson this season has a seventy percent completion rate as a passer, and is averaging uh, over nine yards per pass play. Wow. Now that's been achieved twice in a full season in the history of the National Football League, wow. and it was done by the great Sammy Bohr in nineteen forty five. And it was done by the even greater Joe Montana in 1989. There are only two people in the history of the league, and both of them Hall of Famers and genuine all-time greats, who have gone through 16 games doing what Lamar Jackson's doing now, which, it, which it, it puts it into perspective. When you think of all the great ones that, that couldn't do it, and, and he's supposed to be a runner, he's passing the completion rate, the yards per attempt, off the scale. Something that's not, not really been seen in the NFL before. And what's, what's even more amazing, Darren, is the guy that had Lamar Jackson this week in his fantasy team dropped him. Yep, he was on the bench. He was on the bench. And he lost. He lost oh, because of it. points. Picked Matt Ryan instead, didn't he? Matt Ryan. Internet rich. Unbelievable. Right, two more for you before I finish the numbers this week. The Patriots are the first team to win at least 10 games in a row. Sorry, 10 games. 17 seasons in a row. Wow. So it's a salary cap era. It's a league built around parity. And they've won at least 10 games for 17 seasons in a row. And no team has ever matched that. Uh, phenomenal. And this one I like because I love it when the, the all-time records are getting threatened. Barry 
Barry Sanders was third all-time on the rushing list. Frank Gore went past him at the weekend. Frank Gore, who's been such a durable running back during his time. I remember when he came out of Miami all those years ago, the knock on him, he dropped in the draft because they thought he'd get injured too often. Well, he's hardly missed a game. He's, he's only 1,438 yards behind Walter Payton. So there is a real likelihood that Frank Gore finishes his career as the second all-time leading rusher in the history of the league behind Emmett Smith. But he's currently number three, went above Barry Sanders at the weekend. It amazes me that when I saw that at the weekend, when that popped up, it amazes me that Frank Gore, yeah, Frank Gore is in the top four all-time rushes, overtaking the legendary Barry Sanders. Yeah. I mean, what I would say is that there's some great programming at the moment on Game Pass. If you've got your Game Pass, you're not aware of this. They're picking the best 100 players in the history of the NFL. Mm. Um, the, other, the other night, they picked the running backs. And Jim Brown went in, Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, Eric Dickerson, uh, Barry Sanders. There were, there were 10 running backs went in, Earl Campbell, uh, a few from, from way back, Marion Motley and people like that. And Emmett Smith sat there in the same room. And obviously, that was the big rivalry, wasn't it? Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders for the Russian title a year on year. Yeah. And Emmett Smith sat there quite candidly and he said, listen, if Barry Sanders would have played as long as I did, he would have been the first running back in the league, in the history of the league, with 20,000 rushing yards. He said, yeah. I'm only the all-time leading rusher because I played longer than him. He would have had 20,000 yards. And I think he's right. So if you get a chance to watch that, do. There's also some fantastic mini-programs that Peyton Manning's done called Peyton's Place. And he's, he's basically charting the history of the NFL with various weird and quirky stories that he's found. And he goes to, to various places, presents them. He's been driving around Lambeau Field with Brett Favre. He's done a big sit-down with Ray Lewis. He's done a feature on the Bears. All different aspects of the game. So if you've got your game pass, have a look at that. Peyton's Place is fantastic. Every episode's about 20 minutes. So you can rattle through a few of them in one go. Uh, really, really good. Peyton Man is fantastic at doing it too. So a couple of bits for, for people to take a look at. It's great how the NFL embraces its history, uh, especially 100 years, you know, because if you go back, like way back, let's not forget American football is kind of the illegitimate child of football and rugby. You know what I mean? It kind of sprouted from those two sports. And the way that they've embraced this 100-year celebration is phenomenal because for people like yourself and I, you know, who got into it in the 80s, all that old footage, all, all those old heroes like Montana, who we used to love, Walter Payton, Eric Dickerson, you know, the defense of the Bears in 85, all that is documented. And they've made some brilliant programs. They really have. And like you mentioned, this isn't an advert for Game Pass, by the way. But if, you, if you're there and you're scrolling, you know, and, you, and you've got 20 minutes or an hour or so, the programmes on there are unbelievable. America's Game, to me, is still the best documentary that any sports league or organisation has produced. The way they make America's Game about the Super Bowl is phenomenal. I agree. I, I love it. I mean, I, that, that's, I travel a lot with the Champions League and it's always a load of stuff off, off Game Pass downloaded to keep me going because there's so many so many things to watch on there it really is good really really good the Peyton's places are fantastic yeah I'm going to get involved with that I've not seen that yet so I'll, I'll have a butcher's when I'm there's about to... 20 Vern you'll love it there's about 20, 20 episodes on there already oh brilliant yeah I'll have a look because the old Formula E season started we were in Saudi Arabia so I'll, I'll download next one's Marrakesh and Mexico and Santiago let me give you an example let me give you an example of some of the things they do so in the uh, I think the 20s they were trying to generate interest in the NFL in, in New York City 
So there's a famous park in, in the middle of New York called Bryant Park. And there was a, there's a hotel that's built right next to it. It used to be an office block back then. So whatever the team was at the time, they decided that they'd try and generate the longest catch in the history of the NFL. So they got the quarterback to stand on the roof, I don't know, 50 stories in the air, and they got the, the wide receiver to stand in Bryant Park. And he'd got to catch the ball, throw it off the roof by the quarterback. So what they decided to do to, to reenact it was they got Chris Carter, who's probably got the best hands in the, in the history of the league. He stood in Bryant Park and Peyton Manning is hurling the ball off the roof of the hotel. It's fantastic. No yeah, yeah. And, and so they, they reenact all this stuff. So, you know, they, they eventually do it. I mean, Chris Carter drops about 20. It's breaking his fingers because well, it's coming yeah, down. The velocity, you know, yeah. we're going back to GCSE physics, but the velocity with speed and the time in the air and the distance travelled, yeah. the speed must, must increase like tenfold. Yeah, and they realised as well that the ball travels with the arc around 110 yards through the air in distance. So, oh, wow. so Peyton's throwing it as hard as he can. Carter's down there <laughs> trying to catch it. So it's all little things like that. They're really good, re really interesting little programs, great stuff to watch. And, and that's just one of them. I mean, I've, I've watched about eight or nine now, and every one of them I thought, brilliant, really clever, didn't know about that, great angle, didn't think we'd get to see him. And there was a thing of the day as well. So a couple of bits on, on, on the ones I've just watched, a bit of trivia for you. So Brett Favre said on, on his interview with Peyton Manning, he said it's one of the, the trivia questions, which... All pro player caught Brett Favre's first NFL pass. Do you know who that is? Uh, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to go really weird because it sounds like a trick question. Go on. I'm going to go Kevin Green. No, it was Brett Favre. So he's rolled out. He's thrown it. The defensive lineman's battered the ball in the air and Brett Favre caught it. So Brett Favre yeah. actually caught his own pass his first pass in the nfl he threw it and caught it hey and let's not forget originally drafted by the atlanta falcons yes where he was, where he was called out in the draft room as brett favor by whoever it was at the time here's another one as well so i didn't know this obviously we're bears fans together in unison never to be broken <laughs> i didn't realize they only moved to soldier field in 1971 the stadium which has seen the most championships won in the nfl is which the stadium which has seen the most championships in the NFL. Yeah, so the team that's won the most championships played in this stadium in, in NFL history. Candlestick Park? No, Wrigley Field, where the Cubs play. So the Bears what? played in Wrigley Field until 1971. And literally, the, the concrete wall with the ivy on it was in the end zone. So it was a yard away from the end zone. So if you ran through the end zone, you, you ran into a concrete wall. They, they had to put temporary seating on the side of the pitch and, and, and make it work. It only just fitted in. In fact, one of the end zones was cut off on the corner by the, the third baseline. So one end zone was smaller than the other one because it had the third baseline running through it where the stands were. So the Bears won all those championships in the 50s and 60s and all that when they were the dominant team playing at Wrigley Field where the Cubs played, the baseball stadium. So that yeah, is the most successful stadium for any team in NFL history. It's all stuff like that. So you look at it and think, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, this is great. So for an anorak like me, it's fantastic. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's no. your afternoon sorted anyway. Yeah, I'm going to go and have a butchers. Sorry, Ted. Yeah, that's me done. Ted's uh, on the schoolroom. Exactly. <laughs> Darren, uh, I think we'll draw a line under this one because we, we've, we've given people so much to digest, so much to, to kind of take in. Uh, 
And once you've dissected it all, then drop us a line on the old Twitter at the fumble. That's where we are. Uh, we will be here next week because I'm not on my travels. If Darren is doing some travelling, we have we found a way to get to you. We um, have. So we will definitely be broadcasting next week. I'm looking forward to this weekend, Darren. I, I've completely tossed my fantasy football team into the bin. Absolute dog shite. Um, <laughs> so I am now just enjoying the games for them actually just being games instead of individuals who I who I've been watching and keeping an eye out of. So, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to the Ravens 49er. I think it is the precursor to the Super Bowl. It's going to be an absolute belter. Uh, thank you very much, Darren. I've loved that. Really enjoyed it, mate. This has been a Shooting Shark production. You know where to find us. Rate us, give us a review. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next time, same place, same time-ish, for the fun balls.